Is Cam Rising a top 10 quarterback in college football? We're talking about that on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown News your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. If this is your first time joining our show, make sure you guys like and subscribe. Also, would love to interact with you guys in the video comments or on social media. You can follow our show at Lockdown News or my personal handle at JT Wistersill. On today's show, we're diving into if Cam Rising is a top 10 quarterback in the country because Big Game Boomer put out a list recently of his top 50 quarterbacks entering the 2023 season. Now, I know a lot of you hear the name Big Game Boomer and you instantly roll your eyes. There's some bad blood there between him. And I think he's I he, I think he went to BYU or there's something there with BYU. I forget. I don't follow everything that Big Game Boomer does, but I do think it's interesting when he releases these lists. And I'm always interested to check them out. And I know the list. He gets a lot of backlash for them a lot. I'll say this, and I do disagree with this list too. I mean, I have, he is Cam at 13. That's what this whole video is about, right? Is I'm, I do believe Cam Rising should be ranked higher. In fact, I have Cam as the sixth best, quarter, the sixth, excuse me, best quarterback in college football currently. And I'm going to explain why in a moment. But just going back to the list itself, look, anytime you're trying to rank the top 50 players of a position, or I think he was doing a series recently where he was ranking the top players of the deck the decade that is extremely hard that's not easy to do so that's where i do defend him and i feel like that it is really hard to make those kind of lists i'm not going to say that everyone he does is perfect in fact none of them are it's it's impossible to make a perfect list right it's a subjective thing but i think it's interesting whenever he puts it out because it does give us a talking point about like oh is this accurate and it also reminds us of okay so he thinks this what do other people think so that got me going down a rabbit hole a little bit so as i said Big Game Boomer has Cam Rising rated as the 13th best quarterback in college football. And I will say, I think that's fair. I think I have, like I said, I am at six. So some people could be like, how do you, could you feel that way? Because I do think when you're talking about the top 15 quarterbacks in college football, I think there's a lot of really good quarterbacks in college football. So I think you can make an argument for any of these guys being above being there. If Cam was at 16, that's where I would have a big disagreement and a problem with the list. I do feel like he hacks absolutely has to be in the top 15. I think he definitely belongs in the top 10, but if someone has him at 13 or 14 or 15, I'm not going to be like, that is absurd, ridiculous. I'd be like, you can make an argument for it. So once again, Cam at 13 in this list. Let's look at a couple of the other ones. PFF put out their list of the top 10 returning quarterbacks in college football. And guess what? Cam's name isn't even on the list. So there's one, Cam, outside the top 10 there. Obviously, I disagree with that. But ESPN put out a list, and this is more in line with what I had, too, because they have Caleb Williams at one. That's also what Big Game Boomer has. They have Michael Penix at two. That's also what I would go. Drake May at three. I think that's fair. Bo Nix at four. Personally, I would have Jordan Travis at four, which is how uh, Jordan Travis being the Florida State quarterback. That is currently how Big Game Boomer has it. And then Bo Nix at five. So there's a clear top three, right? I mean, obviously, how, who's Caleb Williams? He's, he's only the Heisman winner. I mean, we saw twice, and I know that there's some bad blood between him and Utah fans because of some of the other stuff he did. But when you're just talking about the player's talent on the field, He's incredible. He's absolutely the best player in college football in terms of the quarterback position and maybe the best overall. Nice entering this season, at least for sure. Uh, Number two, he has, as I said, Drake May there. Look, that's a guy who, if Caleb Williams is the first pick in next year's draft, Drake May is the second. He should have a huge year with North Carolina. Michael Penix, as I said, when you talk about a college quarterback, I think Michael Penix should be two. Bo Nix to Bo Nix, Michael Penix to Drake May. 
should be three. But look, Penix is extremely talented. What he did with Washington last season helped that offense reach new heights. I'm excited to see what he can do. And you get the next tier to me. Those three belong in a tier by themselves. The second tier for that with me would be Jordan Travis and Bo Nix. And I look, both those guys, dual threat, dynamic quarterbacks can get it done with their arm and legs, made some huge plays last season. So I got no issues with them being there. And then after that, like I said, that's where I would slot cam at six. So I agree with where ESPN has them. Obviously disagree with where PFF has them, not even on their top 10 list. And then disagree with big game boomer too, obviously, since he doesn't have them in the top 10 either. But as I said, I don't feel like it's this egregious thing because these other quarterbacks are talented. And in the second segment, we're going to dive into what the other, like why I would have cam over the other quarterbacks that big game boomer has listed ahead of cam. But for right now, let's talk more about why I have cam at, Six, And I think personally, you can make an argument for Cam to get up to five and, and maybe even four. I think he does belong kind of in that same tier with a Jordan Travis and a Bo Nix. I think both those guys are slightly better players than him, but I don't think it's crazy to put him in that position because I, like I said, I think Cam is an extremely talented quarterback and what he's helped this Utah team accomplish is just incredible. And when I'm evaluating and looking at, like I said, how I would try to do my list is what makes the like you said, you're ranking the best quarterbacks, right? So what makes the best is subjective, but I look at it as look at ability to lead an offense, the accuracy. And one thing I think that big game boomer is really not including in his rankings is that ability to be the best player on the field and go toe to toe with elite players. And just that ability to really put the team on your back, right? Like those games where you just take over. I don't think off the top of my head, I'm trying to remember the other special games in college football on Hendon hooker, uh, what he did versus Alabama was absolutely incredible last season. And I'm sure Bryce Young had some other ones too. CJ Stroud, I'm sure made uh, CJ Stroud's Georgia game, right? Like, but Cam Rising had a top five game that any quarterback in college football had last season to me with his first performance against USC. We're talking about over 400 yards, leading them down the field in that two minute drill, that situation. Situations and how you step up in those moments are what matters so much. We can look at the stats and evaluate a player, but at the end of the day, we're all talking about it for like, who would you want with the ball in their hands with less than five minutes to go in a game? We saw Cam Rising lead a drive and power in the two-point conversion himself to beat at the time a top four team in the country and then beat a top four team again the second time they came around too. So that's what we saw from Cam Rising, just incredible performance after incredible performance against USC last season and against other teams as well. So like I said, I just think Cam, I would have him in six because of that ability to step up to make those plays. When you talk about Cam rising to me, you're talking about a guy who is fearless. He can run the ball as we saw him do against Penn State. And I think a lot of people hold that Penn State game against him for some reason, because I think it's easy to look and just be like, oh, Utah lost that game. And they only had 14 points before Cam got hurt anyways. But it's like, well, the game was tied and Cam rising was the only reason Utah was even in the game at that point. So I think that's the part where it's really being discounted. And another thing with Cam is he didn't have Dalton in that game. And we saw what Cam and Dalton can do together as they did against Penn State and tore up a bunch of other teams, obviously, as Dalton led the led all tight ends in receiving yards. So that's where I feel like that Cam gets discounted a little bit in that game because he was the only reason Utah was in that game for so much of it and just made play after play. His ability to escape the pocket, keep plays alive, too, by avoiding pass rushers, I think is exceptional. His ability to make accurate throws on the move. We can also stand confident in the pocket and deliver accurate strikes. He does not have the most powerful arm. And that's one of the reasons where on this list, like Joe Milton is eight versus Cam Rising 13. Joe Milton has a much stronger arm. There's a video of uh, on college game day earlier this year of Joe Milton, just chucking a basketball into the stands on a college game day. And he just on the basketball version of it. And you could barely even see the ball. Like that's just how strong Joe Milton's arm is. But how about the decision-making? We're going to talk about Joe Milton in a little bit. He's thrown a lot of interceptions in his past and maybe he'll put it all together, but we'll see. That's another thing. Cam does incredibly well, right? He takes care of the football, which is absolutely essential when you're playing quarterback for not just a Kyle Whittingham team, but for a successful team. 
Yes, there are certain quarterbacks who they'll turn it over and then they'll come back the next play and lead a long drive, but you can't turn it over and turn it over again. That's what we saw Cam do in his worst game of the season against Oregon. That was a really bad performance, and that's what kind of holds him back from being in the top five of all these lists we've seen, right? Our performance is like that where he came up a little bit short, but like I said with Cam, that ability to step up in the biggest moments, he is a back-to-back Pac-12 champion. He's the only, gosh, I think Georgia did it as well, but Stepson Bennett's gone. He's the only returning college quarterback who was a led his team to -to back-to-back conference championships. And I think that's got to matter because they wouldn't have been there without the special performances and the plays he's made. And his stats, his passing numbers might not be as and crazy as some of these other dudes. Well, some of these other dudes were in the game longer because Cam Rising and his team, like I look at the game against Arizona, would get up big and then that's that. Or actually, I think it was the game against, no, it was Arizona and Stanford, actually. It was both games where Utah just got up big and then in the second half, they're able to just kind of run the ball and take their foot off the gas pedal. If Utah was in more shootouts, I think we would have seen Cam have some better numbers a little bit too. So, and, and also there's a reason Utah is so interested in these transfer portal receivers, right? It's because Utah doesn't have the most talented and explosive wideouts out there that some of these other quarterbacks have the luxury of playing with. And I do, I really like Devon Bailey. And I think, like I said, he has a talented pass catcher in Dalton Kincaid. So that's where you can be like, it kind of evens out a little bit. But I think in terms of his passing yards overall, some of those numbers would be even higher if he had a Jalen Hyatt, who like a Hendon Hooker had last year. And Hendon Hooker was better than Cam Rising. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying that overall, I think Cam would have benefited from having one of the top deep threats in college football. Even if he doesn't have the strongest arm, he can deliver accurate balls to the outside, as we saw a lot last season. So we talk about Cam's accuracy, that ability to step up and make the big plays. That's why I feel like he definitely belongs in the top 10. And I personally would have him as the sixth best quarterback in college football. But as I said, I'm at six, big game boomer, has them all the way down at 13. So we're going to talk about those quarterbacks who are ranked ahead of Cam Rising on big games boomers list and give the reasons for why I believe Cam would be six and slot him one spot above basically all these guys. And we're going to touch on that in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. By the time you guys are listening to this, we'll be set for some more great playoff action. We'll have just wrapped up the Lakers and Grizzlies game from t- from last night and tonight. We're looking ahead to the Suns and the Nuggets taking each other on. Jokic, has, Jokic and Devin Booker have arguably been the top two players in the postseason so far, so I feel like it could be a safe bet for them to go over in points. Kevin Durant seems to finally be hitting his stride. Michael Porter Jr., is he going to kind of get going? Those are all the fun things you can find at FanDuel. There's great promotions every day. The app is safe and secure, and you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All righty. So coming back into this, as I mentioned, I gave my reasons for why I feel like Cam is the sixth best quarterback in college football, in large part due to his ability to step up in those big games and have those big time performances. But that's obviously not a universally shared opinion about Cam being six because as big game boomer had it, he had Cam ranked 13th. And now we're going to dive in and talk about the different quarterbacks that he currently has higher than Cam entering the 2023 college football season. So first off, you get, as I mentioned, the top five guys, we already discussed them. We're not going to break them down anymore. I feel like it's absolutely fair to have them above, but I said, I'd have Cam at six. Well, who does big game boomer have at six? He has Sam Hartman at six, the quarterback from who's Notre Dame now originally from Wake Forest to, and Hartman was great last season. I think you can easily make an argument that Sam Hartman belongs above Cam rising, but to me, he doesn't because I've seen Cam step up against the biggest teams. And also one thing that Cam has done a good job against. Yes. Cam lost games last season. The UCLA game, which I 
didn't think once he, I think he threw an interception that game. That was more on Thomas. Yasmin was, I believe who he was targeting there. That, um, that was more on him. He had, Cam had another late turnover. The Oregon game was, if you had to pin the blame on someone, I do think that one falls more at Cam's uh, feet than anyone else. And then obviously the Florida game, he did have one late turnover there. But overall, Cam still, with all those plays and some of those poor interceptions we just talked about, Cam on the season only threw a interception. Let's compare that to Sam Howell, who by comparison last season, he tossed 12 interceptions. So that is obviously a big number. And one of the things, as I mentioned, Cam didn't have any stinkers against a bad team last season. Louisville, when... Wake Forest played Louisville. They lost 40 to 21 and three interceptions were thrown by Sam Hartman. In fact, the game before that, he threw three against NC state too, in which their offense really struggled in. So to me that look, when you're talking about these quarterbacks, it's razor thin margin. So to me, because of those 12 interceptions, because of the decision-making there and just some of those inconsistencies and the stretch he had during the season and just Cam's ability also to use his legs to be able to move the chains better than a Sam Hartman can. That's why I would have Cam above Sam Hartman. Then moving on to the next guy at the list, so that was six was Hartman. Number seven was Jaden Daniels. When you talk about Jaden Daniels, you talk about a guy who was at Arizona State for three years, then went over to LSU, and LSU had a good season last year, right? They were able to make the SEC championship game, got throttled by Georgia, as everyone except for Ohio State pretty much did last season. And overall, when you talk about Jaden Daniels, look, and I'm trying not to be biased just because the Jaden Daniels I saw at Arizona State was obviously the LSU version we just saw was better. But there were times that Jaden Daniels in this offense struggled last season. I look at games like the one against Texas A&M. Texas A&M was terrible last season. And LSU lost that one 38 to 23. Daniels was 21 for 35. Didn't throw a touch and didn't throw a touchdown in that game. Like that's just a game where, yes, I know you're going on the road in a hostile environment, but your best is required. And Jaden Daniels just didn't bring it that day. So that's for me struggling against LSU. Their offense was slow at times throughout the season. I would have Cam over Jaden Daniels. Then you have Joe Milton, who I think is a very interesting one because Joe Milton has all the potential in the world, just like he did when he was back at Michigan all those years. But what was the problem? Inconsistent play. We're talking about a guy who threw four interceptions in 2020. He was 80 for 141 overall in terms of completion. So this didn't have the best season. He struggled a little bit with that consistency. But coming in last season in replacement in replacing Hendon Hooker and just playing under him late in games in relief of him. He was really good. 50. He threw completed 64% of his passes, 971 yards, um, 10 touchdowns overall did not throw an interception. And as we mentioned too, just that's a guy too, who, when you're looking at the game log, like he didn't play a full season and those are really impressive number coming in late. He also beat Clemson um, in their bowl game to wrap the wrap up the season. So Joe Milton is extremely talented, but once again, there's a reason he's not at Michigan anymore. There were some inconsistencies. So I just, I have questions of if he can do it over a full season. I have seen Cam Rising do it over a full season. Joe Milton is a more talented thrower of the football, just in terms of like, I can throw this football farther than you and I can make those impressive wild plays. That's like an Anthony Richardson could do that a little bit better than Cam, but who was a better college quarterback? Cam Rising, because Cam wouldn't make those mistakes that really hurt you. And yes, Joe Milton doing, didn't do it last year, but once again, that was a small sample size. Let's see if he can do it over the course of an entire season. I have questions about that. That's why I would have Cam over Joe Milton. Then you get Austin Reed at eight, the Western Kentucky quarterback. Look, he threw 11 interceptions. He struggled against Auburn and North Texas, and he didn't have the type of game against like that Cam had against USC. Yes, he was good against Troy late in the season. Troy is not USC and that powerful offense on the other side that we saw Cam have at that point in the season. So to me, Reed, just because of the difference in competition, I would have Cam above Austin Reed because Austin Reed, good quarterback, made some nice plays, but he hasn't done what Cam has done on the biggest stages. Then from there, we move on to Kansas. 
when you're going to Kansas next, that's where we're talking about Jalen Daniels. Daniels threw completed 2014 yards. He dealt with some injuries last season. So missed some time, 18 touchdowns, four interceptions to his name balled out against Arkansas. They did lose in overtime. They got down big in that game, but he led a monster comeback in which uh, they ended up losing 55 to 53 in overtime. And look, Jalen Daniels is a really good dual threat quarterback, but also Look, and he didn't get a chance to play against TCU. That's where he got hurt. But even after he came back from his injury, struggled against Texas, struggled against Kansas State. So, and yes, he was good early in the season, but they hadn't really been tested, right? Like Iowa State's solid, but I mean, they only they beat Iowa State 14 to 11. That's not like it's a crazy impressive win to me, like compared to like that USC performance. So yes, he had a good performance against Arkansas, but also that Arkansas team really fell off at the end of the season. And yeah, USC fell off a little bit too. They lost to Tulane. Tulane was a good team. Arkansas was ranked fourth and then, or like top 10 in the country, whatever it was, and then like fell off a cliff and lost like four games in a row. The season really spiraled out of control really quickly for the Razorbacks last year. So that's where to me, I would have Cam over Daniels because like I said, just those that big performance against the best teams, bringing it there versus he did have some struggles. And it's unfortunate he got hurt, so we couldn't see that. And because if you're projecting, I can understand why you would want to have him above Cam. But to me, as someone who's seen Cam do it on the biggest stages against those teams versus Jalen Daniels looked like he was going to be able to do that, but didn't really get an opportunity because of those injuries and then wasn't himself when he got back. That's why I got to trust Cam going into the season. So those are the quarterbacks in the top 10 of big game boomers. Now we'll move to the back group uh, 11 through 11 and 12 before we get to Cam rising. So then you get to Shadur Sanders. And when you're talking about Shadur Sanders, Shadur Sanders is in really talented quarterback, but I want to see if he can do it consistently against power five teams. I think that is fair to say about everything going on there. Just lost it. And look, it's going to be tough because he's not going to have the receiver talent that when he was playing at Jackson state, he also had some of the most talented receivers in the conference, right? That is not going to be the case with already a bunch of them transferring. So the odds are going to be stacked against him. I know it was a while ago. He was the favorite to be the Heisman at one point. I, I just think that the hype with him is a little out of control. I just want to see it for a full season against a step up in competition, which it is when you're going from HBCUs to power five teams. And especially at Colorado, which is a team that only won one game last season. So even winning three to four would be a success. And if you do that, and like I said, maybe Shador is going to be and somehow he'll be the sensational player that's just shredding defense after defense. I just don't see in his first year. I think he will have games where he does what I just said. He will shred defenses, but then he will come back and put up a stinker, I think, where he's going to have two or three interceptions because I just think it's an adjustment and it takes time. We saw Cam Ward struggle going from the FCS level to the FBS level last season. And I think we'll see a similar struggle kind of Shador with Shador Sanders as he struggles to navigate that transition at least for a little bit. So he's a really talented quarterback, but... Like I said, I just feel like until I see him do it week in and week out, I have questions about the consistency with that going up in that, against that step up in competition. Now, the last guy ranked above Cam Rising, ranked at 12, is Frank Harris, the UTSA quarterback. And look, good player, threw for over 4,000 yards, right? 32 touchdowns, really good. But against the best teams he faced, Troy, Texas, and Houston, he threw four interceptions. His team lost all of those games. And like I said, that's where I'm looking at a guy in Cam is I know when the other team has a great player, I know I'm going to get something out of him. Cam Rising was going up and down the field with C.J. Stroud. Yes, C.J. Stroud was maybe making a little bit more impressive throws, especially that one to Jackson Smith and Jigba, which felt like I saw in every single highlight for C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba leading up to the draft. But still, Cam was able to lead his offense, go up and down. Cam was keeping Utah in it against Penn State. We didn't see when Frank Harris was matched up with teams that were better than him. He played, he played all right, but like once again, he threw those interceptions. It wasn't like, man, he did everything he could in that situation, which I've seen Cam do that against the best team. So, as I said, I think you can make an argument 
The Frank Harris one is the one I struggle to see a little bit him in the Austin Reed just because the level of competition. I know they threw a lot of yards, but Cam would put up crazy numbers if he played in Conference USA too. So that's just where I disagree with that one personally, but those two really personally. But outside of that, I think in the Shador Sanders one, I probably would add in there too, just because he just hasn't done it on this level versus Cam is a back-to-back Pac-12 champion. Uh, if you want to say you're factoring in this because of some of the injury stuff then and the uncertainty there, then I get it. But if we're talking about like, who at their best is the best, that's where I would have Cam at six. And I don't think that's crazy because of the performances we've seen he's capable of. And he's not a guy who backs down from the moment. He has beaten some big, some great teams in his house. That Oregon team was on their way to being a great team two years ago before Cam slapped him around not once, but twice. Same thing with that USC team slapped him around not once, but twice. So that's where I give a lot of credit to Cam Rising. And I think he belongs as a top 10 quarterback. And as I said, I would have him at six overall. But these are always fun discussions to have whenever you're talking about ranking guys and just these prominent quarterbacks overall so it's gonna be interesting to see hopefully camp can get healthy and i'm excited to see what he's able to do on the field this coming season excuse me now before we get out of here i want to talk about some utah softball stuff really quickly because utah softball just came off a great weekend um, mariah lopez was sensational for them on the mound she fired or in the circle excuse me fired in her fired the 17th seven inning no hitter overall in program history for utah softball this weekend it was the first time since 2012 that Utah, who's ranked number 19th right now, finished off a sweep over the number 13 Oregon Ducks with a triumphant two to nothing win. That was on Sunday afternoon, and as they won it at, at Jane Sanders Stadium. So, getting a no hitter on the road, incredibly impressive stuff. So, shout out to Mariah Lopez. This marks the second time, too, in 2023, the Utes have swept a ranked opponent, which the one before that being Stanford. And it's the first time since 2017 they've collected multiple sweeps over ranked foes. It's also the first time Utah's ever swept Oregon. The Utes concluded the regular season 34 and 13 overall and 15 and 9 and third place in the Pac 12. So, that sets them up for some Pac 12 tournament action. And that action will begin this Thursday when the Utes take on Cal that is scheduled for Thursday, May 11th, once again, but this is a Utah softball team. Shout out to Amy Hogan, what she's done with this program, 34 and 13 on the season overall, 15 and nine in conference play. And the PAC 12 is a force when it comes to softball. Arizona was ranked this season. You look at Stanford. We talked about them being ranked Washington, UCLA. Those are three top 10 teams. And we include Oregon. That's four top 15 teams. And Utah was able to get wins in a couple of those series against those teams too. So it's really impressive. Speaks to the strong, strong position. Utah softball is currently in right now. Shout out to Amy Hogue, Mariah Lopez and the rest of the team for having a really strong season and will be interesting to cover and see what they can do now with the Pac-12 tournament coming up for them as Utah softball is hitting their stride at the right time or just really had a strong season overall as I mentioned so going to be exciting to see how they end up closing it out overall and speaking of closing it out that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Utes come back tomorrow we're going to talk about Shane um, Hollywood Hooks or Shane Hooks his nickname is Hollywood but so that's how he has it on the handle but Shane Hooks we'll talk about him visiting Utah what he would bring to the team some other Utah related stuff tomorrow and how Bronny James coming to USC impacts the Utes all that and more on tomorrow's Locked On Utes thank you guys as always for making us your first listen every day and we'll see you tomorrow